Welcome to another episode of the Invincibly Super Massive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. This week, I have not just one guest, but actually, I'm going to clarify that. Usually, I have guests on Skype. They, they call in. But this time, I have Sarah Lima. Hey. She's here. Who, who are you? I'm, I'm me. Oh. I'm Tony Guerrero. Hey. Is that your big guest, Tony? That's your big guest? Sarah no. Lima? She's, not that, she's not that tall. <laughs> don't you work here? Yeah. Shh. Well, you call her slacker before, so I don't know if she works. Yeah, right. You're setting the tone. Well, she Anyways, wasn't fired. wearing headphones. She huh? wasn't wearing headphones. I'm sorry. If you're going to do a podcast and you're not even willing to wear headphones, then... Well, usually it ruins my hair. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I have nothing for that. And the, the person um, having discussion with Sarah is Kyle Higgins. Writer, Woo, welcome, Writer Kyle. extraordinaire of Nightwing. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to be in San Francisco. I hey, love San thanks, Francisco. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, it is my pleasure. Yes, yeah, so how was the game? I don't want to talk about that, but <laughs> I will say, uh, if you are cheering for a visiting football team, um, it's probably a good idea to pack more than just the visiting football team's jacket, because if said visiting football team gets obliterated mm-hmm. the next day when it's cold out, and that's the only jacket you have to wear while on the home team's uh, city streets. It's very uh, not fun. Sorry, did, did people harass you? There were a lot, there's been a lot of heckling. Yeah. What, what did they say? What kind of things uh, did they say? Go back to Chicago. He, there were streetcars honk, like the, the cable cars. <laughs> uh, there was whistling. Some guys say, uh, yo, dog, you shouldn't wear that after last night. Uh, uh, there's been a lot there's been I'm being like I don't can I I can't swear on this game you can if you want I mean no nah, we'll keep it we'll keep it G-ish uh, no it's 13 no one people threw bottles people things at you no well we're staying in like oh a really, man but maybe they're just like there's Kyle Higgins <laughs> aren't you are, I mean it, it could have been worse you could have been walking on the streets of Oakland across the bay and you could have gone to a Raiders game in which you may not have come back alive I considered that actually last year when yeah. the Bears were playing the Raiders. I considered going, and it didn't work out. But uh, I've heard that are they're really that they're pretty pretty, rough. pretty aggressive. Yeah, crowd. Yeah, I've been to one Raiders game, and it was the only professional football game I've ever been to. And I just who they play? Uh, I don't know. Are you not a football fan? No, I'm. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. Mm. So we should also point out that this is recorded previously. Or after a certain game upset, so that's why people are like, "What? They didn't play? What are you talking?" Oh about? yeah, this is this is the Bears Forty Nineers. Yeah, so I'm yeah. from Chicago. You know that. So I did know that. Yeah. How long have you been in San Francisco though? Uh, since '97. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Packed up, moved to Beverly Beverly Hills. That is, but then we came up here. Actually, I was going to say that's not San Francisco. No, no. Then we just like, no, forget it. Then we came up here. <laughs> so uh, next week, by the time we record this, uh, we have. Nightwing number 15. 
Yeah. Death of the family. So, uh, Kyle, you were on a two-issue hiatus. I was on a two-issue hiatus, yes. Tom DeFalco took over. That is what I've heard. The title, yes. yeah. Because there's so much craziness, so much Joker zaniness you had to pack in there. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of reasons behind it. Um, it's primarily scheduling. Um, you know, we were looking to uh, to really kind of hit it out of the park with the Joker stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, and I'm trying to be, I'm being very careful and, and we'll, I don't want to spoil anything here. Um, there's, there's some stuff coming up after the Joker that required a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a, it's, it's a big, big new direction. Um, once you see the Joker story, you'll understand why that is. Um, and more specifically, once you see the fallout in 17 and 18, you'll understand what, what I mean by this. So, um, it required a lot of, um, a lot of outlining, a lot of planning. Um, so I've, I've kind of, you know, I had to look at like the next like year and a half worth of stories. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of made sense, um, in the issues post issue zero leading up to the Joker. Um, and Eddie needed a break. Um, Eddie was having some health problems. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that, that he really had a chance to, to shine on the Joker issues. And that for Eddie means, you know, a little bit more time. So, um, so it just kind of, you know, a lot of a lot of factors coming together, and and uh, it just made sense for for Tom to kind of jump in. So mm-hmm. and um, he got to do uh, he got to do Lady Shiva, yeah, and uh, and some stuff uh, with uh, the Penguin. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. So. I'm not a fan of the Penguin. I'm not. Like in general, or just in ge- yeah, because I mean, with, with I don't know what it is, and I, I like the direction that you know they're trying to make them cooler. You know, iceberg lounge, and you know all this stuff. Well, it's the iceberg casino. Casino, now. yeah, yeah, and, and it's on an iceberg. So, but even even going back that's, to like that's tricky. It is tricky. It's, I mean, global warming. I was gonna say like I'm not sure if it's a synthetic iceberg. I mean, or it's gotta be refrigeration right? units. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's all all the stuff underneath the water that you can't see. And he's got. Doesn't he have? Are there? I, I had to write a scene in issue twelve to set up, um, some Lady Shiva stuff with, for Tom, and uh, like I wrote a scene with a guy with a light bulb for a head. <laughs> Is that one of the penguins? I think Henchman? it's from. De- I think it's from Detective Comics. Yeah, mm. it's uh, from Tony's run. Like, but yeah, the dude. Like, I think his name. Um, what was his name? Mister Combustible. I don't. And he has a light bulb for like a head. I don't remember him appearing in issue thirteen. No, he's not in thirteen. He's in issue twelve. I wrote a scene. In my in issue twelve, I wrote like a, a little teaser scene. Oh, okay. But but even um between him and the penguin. Oh. Even with with John Layman taking over, taking over detective. And with with penguin there. But wait, wait. <laughs> why did you write the scene? Because um, you said it was set up for Defalco's two issues. Yeah. Now we have not read issue fourteen yet. Right. Which which is actually out today. Right. When we're recording this. Yeah. Right. Um, but this light bulb head did not appear in <laughs> issue thirteen, from what I recall. Maybe he did. I just don't remember. Yeah, I don't think he was in the issue. Um, essentially, it was a scene where. We needed to. It was it was a cutaway scene to the penguin. Uh, oh no, that's what it was. It was a cutaway to the iceberg lounge, and everyone and, and this guy, like Mister Lightbulb or Mister <laughs> Mister Combustible, Mister Lightbulb had <laughs> is walking with two uh, ladies on his arm to the iceberg casino to show them a good time, and they get inside, and the place is like in the process of being cleared out, and he says. 
what's going on, Oswald? And, and the penguin says, well, there's a, someone showing up and apparently coming down from Washington, D.C., who just like killed a bunch of mobsters at a wedding. Uh, he's, now, he's now come down to Gotham or coming up to Gotham. This, this killer is coming to Gotham. And so we're clearing out and Mr. Combustible is like, well, why, why are you, you're the penguin. Why are you concerned with a, an ordinary, you know, assassin? And the penguin says, there's nothing ordinary about Lady Shiva. And Mr. Combustible is a silent panel of him. And then he turns and walks away with the lady, with the girls. And he's like, let's go find someplace else. And that was, that was the scene. So it's just setting up uh, okay. that Lady Shiva is coming to Gotham in issue, yeah. issue 13. So. Would it have made it good if it was like animated and you could do one of those like, or like the light bulb burns out. <laughs> but i just can't do that yeah yeah like a yeah um <laughs> who can we talk to about the developments of lady shiva is that all all tom um i yeah i guess Cause, i mean i didn't i mean you don't have any plans to in- integrate her into your well, story is, this, is she just showing up for two issues i didn't no or um, is there an overall what like about now maybe <laughs> Is there an overall plan direction? Like someone said, this is this is who Lady Shiva is in U fifty two, or is it? I don't know if you want to answer this. Is it not like necessary plan? Because my my question is, do we not like Lady Shiva? Is that what this is? Well, no, no. There, there's, there's her, her her costume, but that that's that's whatever. That's so we do like that, Lady that Shiva. I mean, she's I, a great character. I love Lady Shiva. Okay, yeah, but I love Lady Shiva who built Batman back up. Oh, I, I see. Okay, okay. So my question is, because in issue 13, which you did not write, Penguin says to Nightwing, no one knows anything about her, but they supposedly she's close to your age. Right, and so, that, was, that was established in issue zero. Yeah, so then the problem is, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. I do know where you're going if with this. If she's close to his age, which makes uh-huh. her about 21-ish, because uh-huh. that's how old Dick is, right? Yeah. 21-ish. Then what? How could she have a, a like a seven, sixteen, seventeen-year-old daughter named Cassandra Cain? Oh, there it is. Does, doesn't exist. Yeah, I was waiting for that. So uh, that that's <laughs> and but the, on top of that. So besides that point, if you don't if you don't want to address that, I, I I get it. But if no one knows anything about her, how would they have an idea? Especially if she wears that costume and armor, where all you see is her eyes, and she's got the the shredder look, as as Sarah calls it. Um, shredder Shiva from from Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles. So, how, how would anyone know that, that she's around his well, age? And okay. how do they know how old he is? Well, first of all, these are questions for Tom. But I will, I will go out on a limb and say that uh, the Penguin deals in information. Uh, perhaps he... I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But, I, you know, the, the idea for, for Shiva in the New 52, I was not... I was, I was actually not... I was not involved in that process. Um, you know, we were writing issue zero. Uh, Tom came on to issue zero for a little bit, um, in the, in the outlining stage and in the plot stage. And, um, he was given a pass at it and wanted a villain. We need, he needed a villain for the end of the issue. Um, and that was just right around the time or just before that, um, it was determined that you know he was going to write issues thirteen and fourteen, so um, he decided he he thought Shiva would be a, a good fit because he is a fan of the character, and um, so I'm not really sure where the reinvention of the character in terms of the age, etc., came from or at what point. But I know when I came back onto issue zero to write all the dialogue for the issue, 
um, it was that was that was what was passed to me was that she was it was requested that she now be the same age as Dick Grayson. Okay. But that um, could that could change. I mean, just because Penguin heard that, yeah, doesn't mean. I mean, if, I, if if two weeks from now, if DC's like, well, maybe she's twenty eight or maybe she's thirty one. She just she has youthful looking eyes. Maybe she doesn't age. Yeah, I, I mean, mean there's. I'm. I mean, I hate to go there, but she's Asian, so they don't <laughs> age. So she. <laughs> That's Sarah Lima at Comic Con. <laughs> Does she? Can she drive, Sarah? Is that? <laughs> Did I go there? I'm no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm envious of the fact that most Asian people I've met like look very youthful. That is Sarah Lima at <laughs> CVS. <laughs> Address your your <laughs> welcome home. Um, um, why why is that like a bad thing to say? You're stereotyping. I'm not. Anyways, let's let's Francisco. okay. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know if I if I have a story, let me put it this way: if I have a story coming up where it makes sense to use Lady Shiva because um, there is there is something I, I understand. You know the version that you're talking about that would have built Batman back up, trained Batman and built him back up in you know during the the Nightfall story and and even she pri- was, before, oh, prior. You the, mean like when she used to be really cool? That so version of the character, the version of the character where she built Bruce back up. Yeah, that one. Yes, that's the cool one. So in the new Fifty Two version, mm-hmm. <laughs> there there is definitely a a an angle a storyline. Um, if we decide to explore it, where she she clearly has plans for for Dick Grayson, Dick is Robin. So maybe there is something that happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually had a few ideas, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm gonna if I'm going to explore it or not. Okay, so, so I have a I have a question. Sure. Um, to prepare yourself, I mean, it's been a year, mm-hmm. right, on Nightwing. Yep. To prepare yourself for writing Nightwing, how much of the character did you look at pre-New 52 and say, okay, like these are qualities that are integral to his character? Well, he's he he's my favorite character. Okay. So, I mean, I've known – I've read um, – I, I have kind of a, a passing familiarity with a lot of the um, – the uh, the Wolfman Perez Titan stuff, mm-hmm. but I started reading the character when uh, when Chuck Dixon came out. Well, actually, even even a little before that, when there was the uh, the Denny O'Neill, uh, Alan Grant uh, miniseries mm-hmm. with uh, some of Greg Land's first work actually mm-hmm. at DC, mm-hmm. and um, and then from there launching into the the Dixon McDaniel run, which is like my all time yeah, favorite. Yeah, that's comic. a great. That's, yeah. that's no, a really great. The, those wing. first those first like thirty issues are. With Barbara in the wheelchair and like yeah that and that would have yeah well the Hunter stuff came in right around issue like twenty six yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah I love I love I love that run so like that character is has always been very defined for me um, the voice the you know the, the traits etc so um, I didn't I didn't do very much research in in that way just because I felt like you, know, you knew the a, character yeah I know I knew him very well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so what would you say pre new 52 was his, his biggest adversary? You know, I mean, Batman has a Joker. So right. Nightwing has fall in the blank. <laughs> well, I think that's actually, that's actually a problem for Nightwing, uh, or has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I, I, I did a video on that. That's actually going up today. It's like, who is Nightwing's nemesis? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's not Deathstroke anymore. Right. And, and, 
the question is, should it be someone new? And I actually asked you about this and you didn't really answer. Because <laughs> like, should it be someone new? Right. Or should it be someone like, you know, you could take one of Batman's villains and say, okay, he's going to be now Nightwing's villain. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know if people would necessarily, they would always see that person as as Batman's villain. Well, I, there, there, are two, there are two factors with, with that question, uh, in my opinion, at least. Um, if to create, first of all, a true, a, a Batman Joker relationship does not happen overnight. Um, it's something that is built on um, a lot of interactions, a lot of encounters. Um, oftentimes it doesn't even begin with, uh, you know, the villain targeting the hero. It, it, it you know, the, the kind of like my favorite model for creating, you know, villains or, or seeing villains created is, uh, you know, you look at the Batman animated series from the early nineties where like each character who became a villain became a villain because of an interaction with Batman, but they originally wanted something else entirely. You know, you look at Clayface and Matt Hagen Hagen and trying to find a cure for himself. Um, you look at, um, the clock King, you know, looking for revenge against the mayor. And so then Batman thwarting their attempt is what developed the beginnings of the rivalry. Okay. The second point, though, is that to me, a villain needs to have some sort of thematic parallel or inversion of the hero that you're playing with. So, for example, uh, when Scott created James Jr. in his detective run, James is, in a lot of ways, a, uh, a direct inversion of Dick Grayson from a personality standpoint. You know, he all the traits that that Dick is known for uh, being very optimistic having a lot of empathy. Um, James has a severe lack of empathy. He doesn't feel emotion. Um, he and, and, and Dick are both characters who were, are kind of um, adopted sons of Gotham. You know, they've come back after being gone for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a parallel there. Um, so it, it really is like a dark reflection. So th- those to me are to create, those are the best villains. So to take a pre-existing kind of Batman villain or another character's villain and, and turn him into a Nightwing villain, there has to be a new take, in my opinion. You know, you would have to reinvent that character, which is what I think uh, that that is what the attempt. That's the attempt for Lady Shiva. You know, I, that that's my understanding at least. You know, um, to to try to tie her closer to Dick Grayson in that way. Um, I have some villains coming up that. Um, that are new, um, that are, that, that are different. They either parallel or, or, you know, we explore a different aspect of Dick Grayson's personality or, or Nightwing. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I don't want to, obviously I can't spoil too much, but there Mm -hmm. are, there are certain qualities about Nightwing, not just on the emotional side. Um, cause he's also a very, he's a very difficult character to, to create villains for because he's very well-rounded you know, he's pretty emotionally stable, mm-hmm. you know, so in terms of um, uh, in terms of perceived weaknesses, um, it's they're a little tougher to find. You know, I mean, I've, I've got this thread that we've been playing with for quite a while now. And it's really I think it's we articulated the best we have in issue zero where he is someone who's always looking forward and never back, which is obviously a, a great strength because he doesn't dwell, except that if you look at the stories that have been occurring or we've been writing every time he moves on from something it circles back on him Mm -hmm. you know so it is kind of thematically it's that idea of trying to run from your past and and can you really can you do that that? will it always catch up to you but at the same time also 
from an emotional standpoint, issue zero, he moved on from his parents' murder and it bothers him that he's moved on. Mm -hmm. You know, he asks Alfred, it doesn't hurt me the same way as it hurts Bruce. You know, I don't go out to the grave sites once a week and my clocks aren't set to the time my parents die. Like, does that make me a bad son? Because it doesn't hurt me the same way, you Mm -hmm. know? So that's, that's something that we'll be playing with in terms of on a villain front as well. There are, there are, like I said, there are a lot of different qualities that I think we can try to exploit a little bit more. But to answer the earlier question from Tony of who the, the nemesis would be right now, um, you know, I, there are a couple that we've created. Um, I'm a big fan of William Cobb from the Night of the Owl story. I think there's a great concept there of the, you know, a, a, a character who is blood related to Dick and became something else. And this is what he, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a father son dynamic in the way that, well, in this instance, it's great grandfather, but it's Mm -hmm. saying like, I know what's best for you. And, you know, if you just trust me, if you listen to me, like, you know, it'll all work out. Mm -hmm. And so he has the best intentions both for the city and for Dick, but they're complete opposites, Mm -hmm. you know? So Look forward to maybe that. he'll be back. Maybe we'll do something else with him. That sounds Stay like tuned. fun. There's a new Talon series I hear that's deals with that's hunting right. down Talons. And, you know, there is Dick Grayson was supposed to be a Talon. And, you know, there may be some, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking mm. a lot here. Hmm. <laughs> Going back to Lady Shiva. Yeah. Please. Let's go back to Lady Shiva. <laughs> just for, for, actually there's a couple of things. Um, as far as, as like a nemesis for, for Nightwing, yeah. she, she'd be interesting, but if she's supposed to be like the world's greatest assassin uh-huh. and she's constantly fighting Nightwing and losing, then that kind of means she's not the greatest. Well, I don't think she has lost to Nightwing. Well, she, that, that's what I'm saying. She makes a conscious choice to leave Nightwing alive because she's intrigued by him. I guess. And I don't want to spoil how issue 14 ends. Um but stay tuned. Let's talk about the zero issue then. Okay. The uh, the changes to um to Nightwing, like his his ability to read people. Yes. What do you do you want to say anything about that? Cuz a certain other character kind of had that ability before, once upon a time. Yes. Well, uh Dick Grayson has that ability now. So um that was yeah, that was that was an idea that um that was an idea that, that uh, our editor and, and Tom came up with. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of potential to it. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities. You know, I I want to be careful with that idea of not making it a superpower. You mm-hmm. know, because I don't I don't want it, it's not a it shouldn't be a daredevil type thing. It's something that. What's well, from being an acrobat trapeze artist? You need to read your your partner's movements and know when to jump and this and that. And so, from that aspect, it, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, obviously, like you said, that was that was a Cassandra Cain um, trait before. I didn't say that. You did not say that, but I know that's what you. You have telepathy. I do. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're, you're <laughs> reading. My I'm pretty sure Tony and I were both thinking it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That and those were some of my favorite Cassandra Cain stories. Oh actually. yeah, like remember the panels where she? Maybe you don't, but I do. No, oh, I where she uh, dodged the bullets. Yeah, that was so like yeah. Matrixy and well, cool. The first, the first like four issues of her miniseries with um, Kelly Puckett and Damien mm-hmm. Scott, mm-hmm. where she couldn't speak, and yeah, so most of the were issues were awesome. sound. They're fantastic. I, she kind of went off the rails for me. I'll be honest, a little bit after the telepath 
kind of just randomly got to her mind and unlocked her <laughs> ability fixed her. and fixed her. Yeah, and she could talk right away. Yeah, I, I, the character was was a lot more interesting to me when she couldn't speak. When she couldn't speak, you yeah. Know, when she I could agree. only understand la- when she could only understand body language. Body language, and that was why you know when we when I wrote her and you know, obviously we didn't we didn't we weren't able to do very much with her in Gates of Gotham, but when I wrote her in Gates, uh, you know, I made a very conscious decision not to have her speak very much you know um just because she can understand language now i I still feel like um it's not her first language you know and and just by who she is as a character she'd be much she's much more reserved and um she listens more than she she -hmm. speaks you know i wonder how that decision to make her speak came came about yeah, because I, I, I feel like it would be a challenge for writers, you know. Yeah. Here I have to I have to write a character that has no dialogue, you know. So so and not just for the writers, but especially for the artist. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I I like that challenge. I mean, I I would have a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of different ways. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of different ways to to explore that. Um, and and it also alleviates the kind of you know crutch of first person narration you know Mm -hmm. but i will say that comics as a medium um those issues those issues uh were very fast reads you know because Mm -hmm. when whenever you have primarily just art um you blow through the issue much faster as a Mm -hmm. reader not everyone I, i shouldn't say that i mean there are a lot of people who you might like slow down and slow down and, 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 and take in every panel. Yeah. But I just, I just mean as, as a kind of a natural tendency, you tend to read the issue faster. And, um, I can imagine, I mean, I have no idea. This was, that was 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Was it that long no, it was ago? More, it was, uh, maybe it was like, yeah, early two thousands. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not really sure. Obviously I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there for any of that, but I can imagine there being conversations about, are we really like, we're putting out a 22 page comic every month that, is you know it's light it feels light on material mm-hmm. um so I, I don't know if that was the conversation that took place but i could you know i could totally see that happening so or I, it was just a storyline that that kelly wanted to explore you know so mm-hmm. i thought the dialogue between cassie and tim and gates of gotham was was great just yeah that was that was a lot of fun um there there's a moment in there such that last issue. Yeah. Well, the last issue, and that was actually an idea that, that Ryan Parrott had. Ryan Parrott's a, a really good friend of mine who I co-write with sometimes. And he came on to Gates when I took on, right around issue three, I, I was on Deathstroke. I was on Nightwing. Both were number ones. I was on Gates of Gotham and I was on Supreme Power for Marvel. And it was like writing overload. <laughs> and so uh, Ryan came on with me to script the last couple issues uh, together. And that was an idea he had in issue five where it was a callback to um, some dialogue between Cass and Tim in issue two where she she says something uh, – what, what does she say? Something about like people always trying to tear you down? Was it, it, no, it was, about, it was about having a place in, in the city and, uh, and, and Tim makes a comment. He says, I, I get the feeling we're not talking about uh, – what was it? It was something they were talking. It was, it was a lot of subtext. It was actually, there was too much subtext because it didn't actually end up when it went to print in issue two, it didn't play quite the way that I thought it would. Um, but essentially it was in issue two. The idea was Cass was saying, I feel like I don't have a place here anymore. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what my place is within the Bat family. That's what it was. They were talking about how every person has a different skill set. And, uh, and, and Cass essentially is saying, like, I'm not sure what my place within this group is anymore. And then by the end of issue five, you back into fitting in into the dynamic. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's too bad. I mean, that was, that was good stuff. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, okay. So Teen Titans, Nightwing, Nightwing was never a Teen Titan. So that is now. Well, to be fair, the Teen Titans didn't exist before the new 52. Yeah. Is the way I understand it. So there were still instances of Dick and Corey and Roy, um, right, right. team up missions and, and stuff, such stuff like that. It's just, I don't believe they were called the teen Titans. I found a, the, the, the dialogue, what Tim says, he says, maybe it's for the best cast. Seems like whenever we try to destroy something around here, it finds a way to come back better than ever. That's a Ryan line. Yeah. And then yeah, she, it, she says, great, we're, not, we're not talking about the bat boat anymore. Are we? Yeah. That's what great. Isn't it? Mm hmm. Yeah. And she says, I think I've always liked it in Gotham. Yeah. If you can find, do you have, do you have issue two in front of you? No, I just was, I'm just did a, a search. This is actually, I did a Google search and it came up on Comic Vine. Imagine that. Just, just those, those three panels. So I don't have the, funny. the issue. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, I actually have it on my phone. <laughs> Let's see if I can, both on, not that anyone cares. I guess this is. We care. You care? The fans care. <laughs> the people, everyone that, oh, the people get, get tired of, of us saying, where's Cassandra Kane? Where's Stephanie Brown? Whatever, they can eat it. <laughs> Sarah at <Com. laughs> so um everybody has a favorite character right they do yeah look I would be I would be very disappointed if the new 52 occurred and Dick Grayson wasn't there like I, I totally understand I 100% 100% understand good um good bring her back Kyle and I love the characters as well good do it so you have the power man you do man I have the power, power. I have the power to what to bring the characters to, back? To, to do what you want to do. Sort of. And the new writer for Nightwing is. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, going, going back to Teen Titans. So, um, Teen Titans did not exist until Tim Drake in issue five or whatever it was when they are fighting Superboy. And he's like, we're the Teen Titans. And he's like, the name, it just sounded right. So, and it was something like that. Because... I mean, it, it's common knowledge, and you don't have to address it, where in the beginning, there was mention of Teen Titans, and then later, they, things were changed. Like, the, the trade for the first one, they, a, a text box that was removed, you know, references of Tim being Robin, all that. So, you know, I'm not going to get into all that. So, right. the way it is now, mm-hmm. Tim and these guys in the New 52, Teen Titans, they're the first ones to be called Teen Titans. So, uh, yes, I believe that is, that is indeed the case. So, the, now... We you, you kind of mentioned it before. I, I can't remember if it was before or after we started recording. But the the um, Marv Wolfman George Perez, I loved absolutely loved that that run because I, I started reading in, in the eighties, mm-hmm. and so now it's it's like all those stories are are basically gone. And I, I mentioned this to Marv at, at Long Beach, and he's like, "Oh, they're still there." He's like, "You can go yell at Scott because he was around around the corner." And so Scott knows how I feel about this. But which, which Scott Lubdell? Lubdell, okay, because you know because in in a sense, what it, it may not directly be Lubdell. The one that said, let's erase all that, you know, whether it's him, editorial, whatever, I'm not going to get into that. Mm-hmm. The question is, I, mean, I guess maybe, I don't know if I'm just trying to be optimistic that some of those adventures 
sort of maybe could have still happened since um, in Red Robin, I mean, Red Red Hood and the Outlaws, I think it was number five, where we saw a flashback where Dick, Corey, and Roy were together. So do you, long question short, do you have any plans to kind of look back at those days of Dick Grayson? Or right now, no. Um, you got too many other things going on. I don't have any plans at the moment for it. Um, I would like to. I would like to do something with uh, with Corey, Jason, and Roy. I will say that. Um, I I don't know what yet. Uh, well, I mean, I I I kind of know what, but I don't know. I don't know when. Uh, I don't know where it'll slot in. Um, once we come out of the Joker and and everyone sees what we've got planned going forward, I think you'll understand why. Um, why we wouldn't, why I'm not sure where it would fit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, and you're, you're talking about other characters. I mean, you have no say necessarily what, you know, Corey's doing or Roy's doing, you know, cause their backstories could be written, you know, as, as we speak going in a slightly different direction. Mm-hmm. So. Well, but I, I mean, like you said, there is the, there is the flashback in issue five or six or whatever it is of, of red hood or I'm sorry of, um, yeah, we're red yeah of red hood where they, clearly did have and he had a disco outfit he did <laughs> he did have a disco he had a version of the of the disco suit i love that costume design, I too, by yeah. the way. that's, that's a that's a kenneth kenneth design so, so i'm in the minority oh you don't like it the disco costume the uh the kenneth redesign of it kenneth redesign of it in that issue here i've got it if you want to see it so uh because i mean i i guess we can establish that some things didn't happen like it's pretty sure that Cyborg never hung out with them since uh-huh. you know he he first He's appeared in the Justice League, right. and then in issue thirteen, they they kind of established you know that he just oh, hangs. Yeah, that's better. He hangs out in the the Watchtower all the time because you know he it doesn't do anything. I right. Never, I never got I never <clears throat> got the the Corey Nightwing relationship. Yeah, it's um, it's so you know, it was weird. it was it was before my time in terms of um. You know the stories that that really defined Nightwing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're they're very they they are a very vital uh, part of his history, and mm-hmm. you know obviously that's those are the stories and that's the era that defined him for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little after that, but um, I like the idea of Corey, you know, and and the stuff I read between them. I, As what I enjoy. an alien, an orange alien. In well, like, it's this is like someone a, a purple bathing suit. <laughs> this is someone. <laughs> this is someone who, who is Corey. Is, <laughs> well, she's uh, a very, very strong female uh-huh. uh, who is much more powerful than Dick Grayson. Yeah, and someone who, in a lot of ways, like this is a guy who gives orders, and you know, she's mm-hmm. I don't know, she's a little more overpowering. Yeah, than some but of still submissive. Days. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess. I mean, depending on the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but isn't every relationship like that, Sarah? I don't think so. No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I I agree. She is a powerful character. Um, Phys- I, physically powerful, right? I don't remember a lot of the specifics of their relationship, though. So, but it, I mean, it, you might. I mean, you're if if that's what you're saying that was. No, I I I think that. I think that you and I probably started reading the same runs of Nightwing, mm-hmm. 
you know, probably at different times because when I when I bought them, like I I started really late and I bought them in trade. But what what did you start with? The Dixon Run. With the Dixon, okay. Yeah. So for me, the Dick Grayson Barbara Gordon relationship right. is yeah. like. No, I agree with that. That's all of it. That's the one that. That is. That's the one that defined. Like that was the one that I grew up with as well. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that this was happening. That that or those issues were coming out at the same time as the Batman animated series was airing. Yeah, exactly. And that was an aspect. And they had a little romance that was so they had, cute. Yes, they had a little. They had the little romance, and then when it flash forwarded or fast forwarded to um, Gotham Knights episodes where Dick was now Nightwing, um, you saw in some flashbacks that things didn't work out all that smoothly between Dick and Barbara. And then in the Batman beyond universe, it's revealed that Bruce and Barbara had a thing. So you don't know what happened with Dick Grayson. So, yeah. So, but that, yes, that's the dynamic. That's the relationship Mm -hmm. that really, you know, and that was issue four of, of Nightwing was one of my favorites to write for that reason of being able to do something with Barbara, you know? Mm -hmm. So, is that, is that something you're going to be drawing on, or is that um, is that something you guys don't want to touch? You know, Gail and I have talked about it a little bit, about doing something more. Um, it's just a matter of, again, finding the right, the right, the right time for it. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm be, if, I know if I'm they really, survive Death of the Family. If, <laughs> yeah, well, if, yeah, if I don't Either kill one Dick of them. Grayson in Death of the Family. Um, no, there's, I know I'm being really coy right now, but like there, there is some stuff coming up. After death, death of the family, mm-hmm. um, and there will be there will be a twist during the aftermath that sets the series up for a new direction. Mm-hmm. And when you see the twist and you see what the new direction is, I think a lot of people are going to be very, very interested. So even more so than now. Not to say that people, that, not to discount anyone who's reading the book right now, but I'm just saying like it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting uh focus i'll say okay so do you like writing nightwing solo i mean like like right now if if you had to write a story any story out of continuity would you want to write a solo nightwing story a story with with bruce or like a story with damien with them in a nightwing story yeah like i mean do, do you see him better i mean would you prefer him like on his own or like an almost equal to Batman or like the, the mentor role to, to Damien. Cause I mean, there, it's almost like you got three different well, versions. There are three different versions. And I think that, um, the version where he's much more intertwined with Batman, he'll always be kind of a second fiddle. Um, or that's the perception. Um, I think the version where he is a mentor to Damien, um, I, I love that version, um, and I love that dynamic. But he's also in that version. Uh, you know, I don't want to say he comes off older, but he's definitely not the early twenties kid that um, is. You know, that's kind of the direction of the book that we've been exploring. So um, it's a tough. It's a tough kind of. You know, it's a tough line to walk. Um, I guess I would, I would say I would love to do more with, um, with Nightwing and Damien. Um, I've got, I've got a scene actually coming up in issue 17 of Nightwing that is between him and Damien and, uh, actually Barbara's in the issue as well. 
But uh, the the scene between Dick and Damien is one of my favorite scenes that I've written, actually. So um, I love writing Damien. He's a blast. Uh, I get to be quippy and snarky and condescending all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Actually, all three of those things go together really well. So, uh, <laughs> no, but, but I mean, it's, it's a blast, you know? So, um, there's a line where a little tease where, um, Dick says, you know, you're pretty smart for a 10 year old and Damien raises an eyebrow and he says for a 10 year old. <laughs> so, or I think it's actually you're pretty smart for a kid. I, I don't think I don't say how old he is. I said you're pretty smart for a kid, and Damien says for a kid. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I love the dynamic. What about the dynamic between Dick and Jason? It's underexplored. It's it's very underexplored. Um, Scott and I have talked about it a little bit. Uh, Labdell. Um, I w- I would yeah I it, it would be cool to do something more um, between them, but. I don't know. I, I kind of have a different. I have a different take on Jason. I'm in the minority on it. I know, but my my favorite version of Jason Todd and what I think he should be is. I've always thought he should be a villain. I've always thought that he should be. I don't think you're in the minority. Well, I, you know I, what Scott's doing right now is really cool. Like people, people really dig it. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Um, it's just not. You know, it's a version of the character that is a little bit different from what I. You know what I, I see him as. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a strong choice. It's, I, I just think that the, the idea behind Jason Todd, like I almost feel like he should be a natural Nightwing villain. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, like that would be, we, t- we talked a little bit about like who would be like, who should be Nightwing's nemesis. Nemesis. Yeah. Jason Todd. No, is I, like, I agree. Is like, the not the current Jason Todd, the previous version of the character, yeah. is the perfect choice. I mean, because when, he is the abandoned son. He is the one that Batman left, you know, and then Batman took in. But it should be more between Jason and Tim. Like there would be more anger there because why? Because Jason was gone. Then he's like, I'm not going to take anyone as Robin. Then he's like, Oh, here you are. No, Tim. see that 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 dynamic then would all be predicated on Jason feeling jealous over Tim taking over as Robin in the version that I'm, I'm th- talking about, or we're talking about here. Jason was a sidekick, uh, got completely obliterated by yeah. the Joker comes back and now essentially operates in a much more efficient manner. He kills people. He does what Batman can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not predicated on him, feeling jealous over Batman replacing him. It's much bigger than that. You know, it's, it's doing the things it's being a much more efficient version of Batman. You know, when the, uh, the under the red hood, the film, the animated so series version, good. it's fantastic. And that opening scene where Jason, where the red hood shows up and he says, here's the deal. Here's how we're going to do this to all the, all the, the mob. Yeah, it's perfect. And he says, if you don't agree, then I'll kill you. And he does. And it's like, it, guess what? It, it makes a difference. Like he's an acting change from behind the barrel of a gun and it works. Mm-hmm. And to me, that dynamic, um, you know, it's much more a Batman villain in that way, you know, cause it's, it's a direct kind of parallel of Batman, but you have the, you have the former sidekick who has grown up into a, a, his own, his own person. And they are, I mean, they both come from the same place, but they are 
polar opposites. It's a, it's a total, it's a total inversion of Nightwing in that way. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I mean, it's, but that's not, that's not Jason, you know, now that's not the version right now is, is much more about redemption, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's a totally valid version and, and Scott writes it really well, you know? Um, so I'm just not, I, we, you know, we haven't really explored the Jason Dick dynamic now just because I'm not, I, I'm just not sure what, what it would be yet, you know? So, but I'm finding it. So. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think it would be? What do you think, Tony? No, I, I'm trying to say, like, and in, 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 on the one hand, I can see the argument for that the current nicer Jason that we have, um, because he was brought up by Batman. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, Batman's philosophies were pounded into his head as part of his training. You know, you don't, you don't do this. And yeah, he got a little aggressive and he, he pushed the boundaries a little bit. So I can see him now where he has you know anger issue you know he he's mad at batman for for letting him die or or and not we're not necessarily letting him die but also you know the whole thing is you know he never did anything to joker you know joker killed him mm-hmm. and then he never got revenge or anything like right. that so i could see him being deeply hurt by that because he really cared for batman you know and it it's all blurry now with the the limited time frame with the, the stupid 5 years you know it's like how much of a of a bond did they have but, you know, I, I can see him being hurt and upset by that. So he's going to do his own things. And, you know, yeah, he can see that Batman's ways don't work. I need to be more violent. But deep down, he still has, even though he may hate Batman or be upset with him, you know, he still has the affections for him. And he would still have the respect of his ways, even if he doesn't fully agree with him. Well, why? I mean, you're saying he would have this, but there's no, I mean. Well, that, that, that's the question is like, how much of a bond do they have? You know, the, how much respect did he have for Batman before? You know, I don't know, man. Go back and read those early Jason Todd as Robin issues, and I don't think there was very much respect. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I re- did recently read those. I mean, thanks to comicsology, makes it so much easier, so yeah. I have to dig them out. But the whole thing, you know, living in, in you know, an apartment by himself, stealing the, the Batmobile tires and all yeah. that, that craziness. Yeah. So, I don't know. Now, I mean, after the, the Zero issue, I'm not really sure where you know, Jason's going. With this with the whole thing, with with the Joker involved, with guiding him into being, mm-hmm. I don't understand that part right. so, so much, and I don't think I ever talked to Liddell about that. But it, it's interesting in a way, but uh, I don't know. Not, well, stay tuned, I guess. I, I guess, and we'll have to see. Yeah, you should get Liddell on on this podcast. Maybe too. I will ask him questions like, "Who is Jason Todd?" And who, who's <laughs> yeah. who's who's Tim Drake now? Because he was he wasn't Tim Drake before, and who was he before? And, That's true. And That's... I, I've, I've, I've been very vocal about that with, with him and given him a hard time. I mean, it was funny. At, at Long Beach, someone actually wrote on his table. Oh, like, I saw that. Like, Tim was Robin. Yeah, Tim was Robin. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty funny. Tim yeah. was Robin. Well, that's, that's the Tim that I grew up with. So, so But yeah. he's not anymore. Never was. But see, that, that's the other thing. In Teen Titans number one, even... He said, I was robbing the, the boy Wonder. And he's like, I didn't come up with the name, or, you know, in reference to that. But, well, uh, that's not what it says in the trade. I know. But, but the, the strange thing is, after that, I was like, I'm going to check it out on Comixology. Because they do updates on Comixology all the time. Mm-hmm. They didn't bother to update the Comixology. Oh, really? So if you go right now, I think, right now, unless they change it since, if you go and, and get Teen Titans number one on Comixology, it's, it's still the original. Mm-hmm. So I would think that 
whoever editorial made this decision and whatever that that's fine you know i'm not going to argue that it's like i think they should say well we should if we're if we're going to erase it from the trade we should erase it from from that version too right, right. so and and my my cons- my my issue with this is if you're going to do that fine but it's like you shouldn't do it a year after this big major relaunch reboot retcon what you know all the things they don't want to call it but right but that's yeah i don't really know where that came from i don't know if scott um had the idea um after you know from the get-go and and was an oversight i don't know if he got a year into his writing and forgot that he had established that in issue one i don't know if um you know he didn't think it was a big deal i'm not really sure i don't know what the thought process behind that was I think it would have made more sense, given the five years, where I could see Batman saying, you know, you, I don't want a Robin because Jason just died. Uh-huh. And then so, okay, then he would be like, oh, instead of Robin, you'll be Red Robin. I right. could, could see that. But then in the Zero issue, you know, he, he was going to call him Robin, and Tim's like, like no, I'm going to be Red Robin out of respect to Jason. So right. it was Tim. That, I like the that, idea. That made, but I, I think it should have been Batman's call. Cause, Why? Because Batman's whole thing was, you know, he didn't – I mean, we, we saw it more in the pre-New 52 where, mm-hmm. you know, he went a long period of time without a Robin. And that's right. when he started becoming violent. And that's when Tim's like, you know, Batman needs a Robin, right. all this. So, I don't know. But that's it's not We should have just scrapped part. it all, man. We should have just started all the books over. Just new new characters, new names. I mean, yeah. they're, they're kind of doing that. So, instead of Bruce Wayne, it's like Tom Smith or something. <laughs> and yeah. So, what do you think about... um? What are your thoughts on Batwoman? Because she's just like I know I, I think something's going to be done with her, but it's like she's she's very dis- removed, yeah, because yeah. she's not in Death of the Family, and I understand that that was right. That you know she's in the, in the midst of her own storyline, so they didn't want to. And I think that's great that they didn't force J.H. Williams, you know, to say, "Hey, we want you to tie in the Joker here," and and right. Joker doesn't really have a connection to her because they haven't had any any. So I get that. Right. But what are your thoughts like? Because um, Dick first ran into her when she, you know, first made the scene in in fifty two. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I like I like the character a lot. Um, I really liked her when uh, I, the the initial run that Greg and JH did, uh, Greg Rucka and JH Williams did on Detective. Uh, I thought was fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed what what JH has done in the new fifty two. Uh, the book has a very interesting, um, it fills a very interesting niche. You know, it's a little bit more uh, on the supernatural uh, side of things, which you don't really see a lot of in the Bat universe, you know. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, so I don't know. She, Maybe. I, I, she had one of the coolest debuts of the New 52. So um, I don't know. I respect that she's doing her own thing. She's not a lone bat. And... Uh, you know, she's not burdened by some of the things that the rest of the Bat family is. So, so maybe, maybe we'll see an interaction at some point, or maybe not. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would love to, if for no other reason than to see JH and Trevor McCarthy draw Nightwing would be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I think we're about out of time for you. Yeah, I have to, I have to get back to the hotel and check out. Before they throw all my bags away. <laughs> I don't know if they'll do that. You just say, hey, I'm Kyle Higgins. How much, and, then you can, and then you can really find out how much clout you actually have. Not much. They're no? going to be on the street. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Terrible. Well, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. 
Um, yeah, we didn't get to any questions. Usually I, I answer like all these millions of questions that, that people send in. Do you have any? I do. Not, not specific. They're, it's just like this ongoing thread of questions. Just, all right. Do you want to do a couple? Like I can do like, we can do like three. Okay. Here's one from Zyger. Who would win on a one-on-one and explain why? Iron Fist versus Moon Knight. Oh, God. Uh, which version of Moon Knight? I, I, I don't know. We'll go Iron Fist. Okay. Why? Because I'd be writing it. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, you know what? Maybe Moon Knight because he could... uh, Can he still change? Can he change personalities now? It all depends on on who's writing it, I guess. So could he take... uh, I don't know. I don't know. Pass. Um, (laughs) Actually, I think I might have done this one before. Uh, Hawkeye versus Green Arrow. Uh, Hawkeye. Because he looks less like Robin Hood. <laughs> That's why. That's why. Because because uh, he's got a he doesn't have a hood. Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm not a big seeing. I'm not an archer fan. I don't I don't really like archers, but I like Hawkeye. I like I I, I can kind of get behind Hawkeye. Animal he's a little man. more he's a little more technology driven. Hawkeye is. Yeah. Man. What about Animal Man versus Swamp Thing? Uh, well, I don't like either guy writing those books. So <laughs> can they both lose? Is that, no, I'm just um, we'll say Animal Man. I think the rot would overpower the green. Okay. Um, you want to do a few more? Yeah, sure. Okay. Crazy Flash Fan 11 says Who do you think has a seventh spot in the Justice League? Cyborg, Martian Manhunter, Hawkman, Booster Gold, Hawk Girl, Dead Man? Well, considering at least like three of those characters are now in a Justice League book. Uh... Or maybe it should be who should have it. I I always think the league is not complete without Martian Manhunter. Yeah, so he's going to be in the other one coming yeah. up. Um, if the Justice League rumor is true, who should be the upfront villain for the next Batman Arkham City game? So I'm sure you've heard those rumors where it's going to be like a Silver Age feel to it, and Justice. It seems crazy for a, a sequel to Arkham City. Hmm. Have you you heard about those? Um, I I yeah, I just heard that uh, in passing actually. So who should be the villain in your opinion? If of it's a not six Starro. <laughs> I want to see Starro come into the harbor and just like tear shit up in Gotham. No? Like know. you can do like you can like, I want Starro as a playable character and like it'll be like his first person shooter but with tentacles and he'll be like grabbing Justice League. No? Like pulling people out of windows. Like, no. No. But see, then you can like shoot out all the little Starros and control, yeah, control everyone else. Dude, we should write this game. Then you could be Superman Rock as a villain. Rocksteady, listen up. Yeah. Superman as a villain. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Just, Who like, should be a villain in the... We do Hall of Doom? Like, I feel like you would need... If you have the Justice League, you can't... Yeah, Other you than just to. Dark Side. Uh, although, Dark Side would be cool. I mean, you, you need, like, there needs to be multiple villains, right? Like, that's a, kind of the point of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just... Legion I, of Doom. What did I say? Hall of Doom? Yeah. Legion of Doom. I think you were thinking Hall of Justice. I was yeah. thinking Hall of Justice. Yeah. As cool as the idea of including all these other... It, it just... It shouldn't be an Arkham City... Just give me a playable Nightwing. That's that's all I care about. Just give me a what playable Nightwing voiced by Lauren Lester. Playable in the actual game, not just DLC. What about Injustice? With the blue costume? That is a Mortal Kombat fighting game. And he's got a motorcycle. <laughs> and he has a motorcycle. But he is blue. So there's that. All right. Then uh, the last one, I guess, also, um, I guess not really a question. It says, in my opinion, Swamp Thing is probably the best book in New 52, but how come nobody ever really talks about it? 
You talk about it. You review it every week. Because Batman's not in it. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> well, that's true. I think he's going to... I think he's supposed to make an appearance. He at some is? Point. Is he? I asked I ask Scott that, I think, like, WonderCon this year. I was like, are we going to see a crossover? Maybe he was joking. Uh, with, with the Rot storyline... And with with all oh. all like, the characters, maybe he's going to appear because you know we've seen the Teen Titans all like dead and demonized or right, plantized right. or rot rot whatever. So maybe Rotted. maybe Batman will be evil or maybe he he managed to survive it and he's going to fight with with Alec. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. All right. Well, thanks, Kyle. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah. this was fun. Have Here a happy again. Thanksgiving. I will try. That was a few weeks ago. Though. There will be. Oh yes. Well, for everyone listening we'll, still recovering. we're just going to assume i had a happy thanksgiving right yeah. okay there, Positive be, thinking. there will be turkey wrapped in bacon there'll be plenty of beer and then you had to go shopping the next day for new pants that uh needs to happen anyway <laughs> so the life of a writer uh i basically don't exercise nearly enough anymore <laughs> so yeah you gotta get on a greg capullo oh, routine regimen yeah. <laughs> that's a little that's hardcore for for me all right. Thanks, everyone. Um, we'll do this again sometime. We'll have to maybe get you to Skype in sometime. Sure. Too, so sure. We can, you know how to reach me. Yeah, I do. All right. Thanks, ways. guys. All right. Bye, everyone. So, so my, question my question is, is could it be? Could we don't know. And I would like to ask you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah. yeah. That's the question. question. I'll shake your head. I love Alan This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, I, I wasn't a fan of this. Rob Liefeld that's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two. <laughs>